I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello and welcome to another episode of Syndicate. I'm your host, Armand Haddad. This season, we are exploring the cinematic adaptations of beloved stories. Today, we are looking at Arrival by Denis Villeneuve. But before we make contact with an extraterrestrial, I am joined by a very special guest, Peter Casa. Peter Casa is a freelance photographer in Chicago. However, other than taking pictures, Peter is an avid movie watcher. Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you, Armand. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So since this was your recommendation, how did you first hear of the movie Arrival? So I've always been a large fan of sci-fi action, anything to do with aliens, extraterrestrials. I love something that allows me to escape from the day-to-day. Okay. So what draws you towards extraterrestrials? Is it the unknown aspect of it? Like, what draws you towards aliens? You hit it right on the head. It's the unknown. It's something that is very gray, no pun intended for those who know, but... um. It's something that's very unknown to all of us, and the majority of, let's say, the entire human race will never really know at some point. Okay. So it's something that's very interesting, but it's something that's been, you know, in the back of my mind for most of my life, just because it is that unknown gotcha. concept of possibility. Okay. So before we get into the movie, I have to ask. So with all of the UFO reports going on right now, especially with... You know, the 2017 article from the New York Times about the UFOs that our military is encountering. 
What do you think is going to happen when the Pentagon releases those UFO documents on the 25th of uh, June? Question for you. Can I swear on this? Yeah. Shit will hit the fan. Oh, yeah? Shit will hit the fan. Whether we get noticed that everything is totally fabricated and fake just because of mil- of like uh, military air force testing okay. or something similar to that, you know, cross country or out of our country within a different country. Right. But um, let's say we do have evidence, right. Of yeah. something that may have happened in the past. Okay. It's going to stir a lot of pots. It's going to stir every pot. You're yeah. going to have people who are, scared Mm. you're gonna have people who are going to begin questioning their faith Mm. you're going to have a whole series of stirred pots and that that kind of chaos actually excites me i see yeah i mean i could see how people could react to it and are you familiar with bob lazar i i decide not to go deep into that rabbit hole Okay. But I, <laughs> yes, I'm familiar at a very high level, but I've chosen okay. personally not to dive into that rabbit hole. Okay. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. Bob Lazar is an interesting figure because whether you believe it or not, he claims that he worked at Area 51. And what's most interesting about him is that a lot of the stuff he said back in the 1980s have come true, especially with these recent UFO sightings that the Pentagon say is authentic, which is he described, you know, flying saucer, traditional, like picture flying saucer. That's what he worked on, allegedly. And the way that they move, which is they start from, you know, uh, upright, and then once they levitate, they go to a perpendicular position, and then they start moving. And from these uh, videos from these fighter jets, that's how the crafts move right you see something very similar very similar and that's actually what's exciting because this information is coming up it's boiling to the top and yeah i totally get it 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 definitely draws you into wanting to know more right so to relate this back to arrival it's based on a book the story of your life by ted chiang so when you pitched me this movie what drew you towards the book i wanted to know more about what this film was based off of okay mainly okay mainly because of the end of the movie Mm. because that's when you get the full underlying message of this movie right? right most people see this movie as an alien movie you know sci-fi drama right yeah that's what <clears throat> most people will take out of this sort of movie. Mm-hmm. But then it, when you hone into the movie after actually seeing it two, three, four times, even the first time, if you are fully aware of it, the underlying message, that's what drew me to the short story. Okay. Yeah, because I read the book first um, because I haven't seen the movie until you're like, let's do Arrival. And I was like, okay. So Did I, you watch it? I did watch it. So I read the book first and it was not at all what I expected. Um, I would say the big driving force was not the aliens per se, but the 
personal turmoil of the main character, who's a woman, and she's a linguist, and just like going through her journey and like her coming to accept um, the tragedies that happen in her life. Um, and then the backdrop is, you know, the extraterrestrial stuff. The movie that on. we see. Yes. Yes. So before going any further, listeners of the show knows what time it is. It's time for some elevator pitches. Please stand clear of the closing door. So for those that don't know, if you're selling a movie to a friend, you really only have 60 seconds to do so. So here today, I'm going to simulate that by putting 60 seconds on the clock. So Pete, you are going to summarize the entire movie of Arrival within 60 seconds while avoiding major spoilers. Are you ready? I think so. Okay. We are going to start in three. I'm not a fan of time intervals, but let's go. (laughs) We're going to start in three, two, one, go. The setting is present day. Dozens of alien ships appear all over the globe. Mm-hmm. Questions amount. No one knows what's really going on. The key question is how do we communicate with these extraterrestrials and how do we go about doing so in a non-military action okay. to prevent anything that may thwart some sort of you know extraterrestrial war? On the flip side... This movie is about you and yourself and how you would perceive your own journey through life. But Hollywood loves to give us a sci-fi alien drama. Uh The question is, are you curious to learn more? With five seconds to spare. Oh my goodness. That was, I mean, you hit it on the head. Like this movie is, Definitely thought-provoking and interesting, and yet Hollywood wants to boil it down to, you know, just the the freaking alien stuff. Because let's be real. What sells in Hollywood? Action? Mm -hmm. Drama? Yeah. Sex? Death? Right? Yeah. You know, all hot topics. Right, and let's get into it. So, um, going from book to movie, um, I mean, it's... Like the skeleton is the same mm-hmm. book to movie, but the movie kind of adds in some other plot points and drama that I was not expecting, but to make a movie interesting and to make it, you know, interesting for mainstream audiences, they kind of had to add in some stuff. So do you know what I'm referring to when, when I bring that stuff up, Pete? Yes. I like to call that when it's from book to movie, Hollywoodified. <laughs> Okay. Right? Right? Because there are things that will sell an audience to really, you know, spend their money on seeing this movie. Because why do we want to go see a movie? Be entertained. Right. If we're going into a movie about the concept of what the short novella is about, Mm -hmm. no one's going to be spending millions of dollars to go Mm. see it. So throw in some conflict with extraterrestrials, which is a theme within the short story itself. Mm -hmm. Yes, I know. Yes, Hollywoodified. Okay, so let me ask you this. So what's more interesting to you? Is it learning the unknown with extraterrestrials or the interpersonal 
conflict between our main character that's portrayed by Amy Adams? It's a little bit of both because it's always fun to see something portrayed in cinema, which is unknown, mm-hmm. right? But then the internal struggle between the main character and herself at the very end of the movie is what makes me sit and think hour over hour. Right. So overall, the plot follows Louise Banks, who's played by Amy Adams, and she's a linguist. And in the story, she's just uh, you know, a, a professor in college, and she's teaching a class, and something changes her life forever, the lives of everyone on the planet, and that's when extraterrestrials land all around the world. And she is thrusted into this position by the U.S. government to be a key player to decipher what these aliens are communicating to, to us. Because truly, these extraterrestrials are not of this world and very alien to us because their language is completely different than any sort of language we spoke on Earth. Um, everything about them is completely foreign. So it definitely takes an expert in this field to really decipher what's going on. And she's the person to do that. Right, right. And, I mean, let's say you're not dealing with actual aliens out of this world. Mm -hmm. If you're going from, you know, your home country to a, you know, remote island, let's say, in the middle of the Pacific Mm. or any other ocean, which has had no outside human contact, how are you going to try and communicate in the most peaceful, non-threatening way possible, right? Right. And that's how this story and film really go about it's how do we communicate with these beings who are posing to us as Mm non-threatening so yes there's there's a lot that i would love to go into without actually ruining the movie no we're gonna go into it okay let's ruin it for everybody yeah this is a spoiler filled conversation so with these aliens the language of these extraterrestrials and a big theme of this film, which we were talking off air about, which is language is how you perceive reality. And with these, so they're called heflopods. And it's from the book and in the movie. So the, for those who are not familiar, they look like squids. So I was reading the book and they were describing the, the creatures and it's very Lovecrafty and it's very out of this world. And it's very interesting because like, when I was reading the book, the way they described these aliens, it was like with like eight different ligaments and it's kind of like fractal in nature. I was thinking of like, are you familiar with like, quote, biblically accurate angels? No, but I will say when I was reading this, Mm -hmm. I tried to ingest it in a way where I was not already familiar with the film because I saw the film first oh, okay. and that's how I found out about the short story mm. because it said based off of story of your life, yeah. right? So that's how I got pulled into the short story aspect. So I went into it trying to ingest it as someone who wasn't already knowledgeable of the story in itself. Okay. So when I first 
started reading it, I was thinking of if you're familiar with Mortal Kombat, mm, yeah, <laughs> the the character with four arms. I immediately thought of someone with like the woman. There's both a woman and a man. Oh yeah, okay. with four arms. Yeah. I was thinking of a human-like being with eight arms or something like that. Okay. Okay. Which is like super weird and out there, but I try to make it as extremely different than what I already knew the story was. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so to quickly explain, quote, biblically accurate angels. So like when you think of an angel, you think of like a a human with like wings and a little halo. Mm -hmm. But in the Bible, it's actually Lovecraftian. Where it's like creatures with like seven eyes and like you know, 15 limbs. So when they appear to people, they're like, fear nots. And people are like, oh my God, that's so scary. So when I see these heflopods, I'm like, ah, I see. So I don't know if that was an influence, but it definitely made me think of that. So how do you feel about getting off the rails a little bit? That whole description of biblical angels. Mm-hmm having multiple limbs and multiple eyes. Yeah. What if, what if, because aliens are the topic. Yeah. Ancient aliens. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. And I know there's some people out there listening to this. Yeah, your hair is getting huge, big right huge now. Huge fanboys and fangirls. But those limbs uh-huh. could be what? Life support tubes. Okay. And those eyes could be lenses. No, let's let's uh let's unpack that a little bit. So it's it's entirely possible that aliens I mean what what are angels and demons? They are not of this world. They're the unknown. Uh-huh. And there are perception of the unknown mm-hmm. on a faith based hypothesis. Exactly. Yeah. So aliens, demons and angels, I think are one and the same. That's my opinion. So maybe... I value that. I don't know. We'll see. But to relate it back to Arrival, so these aliens land on Earth, and it is up to Dr. Louise to help the U.S. military to help decipher what they're saying as a linguist. And going back to language, language is how we perceive reality. And with these heflopods... The way they res- the way they perceive reality is not linear, cause to effect, but their entire lives is viewed through the lens of language, and language. It's very interesting how they visually portrayed how they write, which is a circle. It's circular, which means it's an unending thing, which means. The events and the verbs and the nouns that they talk about are all encompassing past, future, and present. And that is not at all how we communicate. Right. Our perception of space and time is completely different from their perception of space and time. Mm -hmm. So when talking about language, because we are going to get into spoilers, right? Yeah. That's what this is all about. We're not going to hide anything. So their language is more of a resource rather than a communicative tool. Mm. So when you look at it that way, once you see the movie, that's when the whole 
subliminal message of what the moving story is about really come into play. And we'll get to that later. But language to these creatures, right? It's also, yes, it's a ways of communication, but at the same time, it is a tool or resource to look into the future and into how to really af- affect the chronological order of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a very interesting viewpoint to look at and how you perceive time that way because like, I think it's more, I think it evokes more meaning that way than looking at it simply cause to effect. I don't know about you, but I've had many conversations with friends about this and they all, and they all think I'm insane. So simply, I believe all events, past, present, and future, all coincide at the same time. And it's separated between Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. veils and dimensions and because like right now somewhere in the universe you're taking a dump how very cloud atlas of you okay (laughs) so yeah and i think these are how the heflopods perceive reality which is they know the events of all time and space that are going to occur and they're trying to communicate that in their language while us as humans, the way we communicate to each other is what's going on right now or in the immediate future or the immediate past. But never I communicate something to you and it's the past and the present and the future all coincided in the same message. Right. It's a completely different way of perceiving reality. Like I have a friend. So I was talking to him about special relativity with uh, Einstein. And I simply said like, Oh, you know, you know, when you get towards the speed of light, time slows down, but it doesn't slow down for other people. It's kind of like this perceived reality type thing. And he said like, that is not how time works. I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, I believe that there's only one direction. So my friend simply believes that time is progression, it's a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, I think it's much more nuanced than that. I think time is not as linear as that. If you really so what it. has brought you to that thought? 
So when you look at Einstein's relativity, when you look at space-time, like time is so circumstantial. Yes. So I ask that because the way that I see space and time is more of a fabric, right? Mm, yeah. So space and time in their own right are a fabric. And yes, this conversation could go into time travel, right? It can go into space travel, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, I am not really down to unpack that. I could talk about that for hours with Joe Rogan, if you're smoking <laughs> blunt or something. Uh-huh. But at the same time, let's keep it high level. So space and time, it's a fabric. If you think of it as a fabric, there's a thread in the beginning, there's a thread at the end. So space and time, in my own eyes, it's a fabric. Space and time are both a fabric in each other. So think of an end thread or just, you know, think of a piece of fabric in general, right? There's, there's an end, there's a beginning. Yeah. It is something in my eyes that is material. It isn't something that is, you know, just a creation of, you know, human thought provoke, yeah. mm-hmm. right? So there's been countless talk about time travel, about can we manipulate time? Mm. In the future, yes, of course. Think about it. If we can alter matter, you can alter time. And if you can think of, let's say, space and time as a piece of paper, if you really wanted to fast-forward time, Mm. then all you got to do is fold the piece of paper, punch a hole through it, (laughs) and then Uh you, you exit through... You go into the first hole. Yeah. Let's say in the future, whenever that is, 10 years from now, a thousand years from now. Okay. Time travel is possible, right? Neil deGrasse Tyson (laughs) said that it's possible. Yeah. And, you know, with him being one of the smartest men on the planet, Mm -hmm. let's just say one of the smartest humans, right? Okay. So one of the smartest humans on the planet said that it's possible. I believe that. Yeah. So... But also, impossible is nothing. So let's just get to that point as well. Okay. So if you think about it, time and space, it's a fabric. And if you were to metaphorically describe space and time as a blank piece of paper, just a white printer sheet of paper, if you were to fold that in half, Mm -hmm. you're theoretically folding time in half, both past and future. And what you could do is in that half sheet of paper, punch a hole and in the current spot in time, if you were to enter that hole and then exit out in the future of that hole where the paper was folded, you're theoretically time traveling. Granted, that's also a wormhole, right? Mm. So now we're unpacking a lot more. Yeah. Okay, so to relate it back to arrivals, obviously these creatures went through some sort of wormhole to get to our planets, and they stationed, you know, several, I think it was 12 ships all around the world, and so 12 countries are trying to work together and decipher what exactly they're talking about. So to relate it back to the plot, um, Dr. Louise is... One of many who are trying to 
decipher what they are talking about. So actually getting back onto that, mm-hmm. are we going into the plot of the short story or the movie? Because mm-hmm. we know why they appear on Earth mm-hmm. in the movie. Mm-hmm. As to why they appear in the short story, there's really no answer as to why. Right. Um, in the short story, it's very ambiguous, which leads, you know, into the whole Hollywoodified. Okay. Yeah. So production of the movie. So I read the story first, like I said earlier, and like I said, I was very surprised that it was very focused on Dr. Louise. It was it was very like it was about her journey and her journey with her daughter and her grieving the death of her daughter and the backdrop was the aliens and her learning how to see the world and the universe differently and to perceive time differently because by learning their language, the heflopods and how they perceive reality, which is all encompassing all at the same time instead of, you know, the English style, which is linear cause to effect. And that was very interesting. And then watching the movie, the movie added this whole subplot of how would the world react to aliens landing I mean, you got to have conflict somewhere, right? You got to have conflict. And like the driving force of this movie was like some countries don't trust the aliens and like, oh, they're, they're having military right. action towards exactly. them, specifically China exactly. and Russia. And it's up to Louise to somehow bring peace to the world and also prevent them attacking the aliens and destroying what knowledge we could gain. And I was like, okay, this is happening. Mm -hmm. Right. So the telltale formula of cinema storytelling Mm -hmm. for as long as we can remember is you have that general interest, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have that, that, peak of the story like where everything is really riding high and everyone is very engaged in what the story is that's being you know put out there for us to see as like entertainment it's really riding high right but then every story needs conflict exactly and some of the best stories have two conflicts or three conflict scenarios Mm. with conflict comes resolution and that's where the whole, you know, formula for most stories that we perceive comes from, right? Right. So in the short story, there's no military conflict, right? It is... Actually, there is some. Um, it's it's very verbal. It's like, oh, they're trying to, like, wh- what do they want? And, like, there's some sort of, like, angle to it. And Louise is like, no, they're just... We don't really know why they're here. They're just observing. Right. And they thought there was some sort of ulterior motive to it. And that's pretty much the extent of the military just not trusting the situation. Exactly. And if you look into um, past, let's say, current events or Mm -hmm. even past cinema Mm -hmm. or television shows, military conflict is always trigger happy. Mm. I see where you're going. Right? Right? Uh So it is trust no one, survive at all costs. Yeah. And that's where the movie kind of goes. Mm -hmm. You don't really... Yes, you see that 
a little in the short story, but you don't see the whole threat from Russia, China, etc. Yeah. We see that in the movie because, let's be real, what do we perceive as an external country threat? China and Russia. In media, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So that's where the film actually goes. Okay. Which makes sense, right, for Hollywood? Yeah. So, yeah. Subliminal propaganda. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong to get access to, you know, the most high-tech military equipment for your movie. You have to, uh, it's called the CIA liaison, and you need to have the CIA approve your script and make sure you're not saying anything too bad about America. And in this case, we're really poo-pooing on China and Russia. So, But think about it. So even in terms of the aliens coming to Earth for this movie, everything is considered a threat until confirmed otherwise. Right. Right? Because everything's yeah. foreign. Okay. So I get it from like a military aspect, mm-hmm. a military strategic aspect. Mm-hmm. I get it. I understand. At the same time, it's fucking trigger happy, man. <laughs> Literally, because there's one point in the movie where, so I don't know who this soldier was. It was like an extra. He was listening to like an Alex Jones copycat where they're like, oh, we don't trust these aliens. Uh, that's right, caller. We're going to, we need to take action right now. And so, of course, how does that soldier react? He plants a bomb in the alien vessel. Him and some buddies grab some, uh, you know, M16s and they fight off whoever is coming to the alien ship in order to blow it up and to make sure that this bomb detonates. And I was like, okay. I mean, you have to make a movie out of it. Right. You have to. Hollywoodified. Yeah. And did that turn me off? No, not entirely. I expected that. Yeah, I mean, when it happened, I was like, of course. I mean, I wasn't too surprised. I wasn't like, like, oh, how dare they? But, you know, I have to make it interesting. And But I'm glad that they preserved the main idea behind it, which is deciphering language and then the internal discovery within uh, the main character, played by Amy Adams, having her realize that there's more to life than... Her, her previous perceived reality, which I do appreciate. Right. And really, if, if we get into this entire story, it's not the whole concept of time. It's not past. It's not future. But it's really about the free choice in the journey of life. Mm-hmm. And it's really about your story. You know, that's why the short story is called The Story of Your Life. Mm-hmm. So... The way that I took this is that even though currently, present day, we cannot see time physically as something that is connected past, present, and future, we just see it as the as the present day mm-hmm. and past, right? Yeah. We can't see the future. If we could see the future, that's where all these questions really like bubble up, so to speak. So... The whole underlying 
message to this movie, if we are going to spoil it, it is if you're able to see the full story of your life, would you change it? Would you go through life making the same decisions knowing that the outcome that you saw will actually become inevitable or would you try to take steps to change that outcome, right? So it's all about your story and free choice. But then what I also took out of it is if we are living present day and all we know are the past and the present, the journey of our lives are, it's really dependent on our memories right? and how we want our future to play out based off of memories. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it. So one of the huge driving forces of this story is as you watch or as you read this story, we see that Amy Adams, Dr. Louise, she has a daughter. And you see the daughter uh, throughout her entire life from birth to death. And tragically, her daughter dies of a rampant disease that there is no cure. And what you perceive to be um, this happening in the past was actually happening in the future. And it was... Because of learning the Heflopod's language, she learned that one day she will have a daughter. One day she will raise this kid. And then one day her child will die. And like you just said, if you knew what was going to happen in the future, would you take proactive steps to change it? So let me say this one thing. I think... No matter what she did, I don't think she would be able to change the future in any way. Because in, in in her instance, there's no way she could have changed the fate of her child because like, it was a disease that there is no cure of. So a thing that this podcast has been exploring for a few episodes, which is giving up your child to the world and ultimately the world will tear apart your kid. And it's kind of like the inevitable thing. That's very morbid, but go on. Yeah, because like you want to shelter your kid, but ultimately you need to give it up to the world and the world will tear apart your child. So it's, it kind of goes back to Michelangelo's statue of La Pieta, which is the Virgin Mary holding Christ. I'm familiar with it. After he's been crucified. And, you know, that theme reverberates through many works of art, including Arrival. The one example which first comes to my mind is in the film Children of Men. Exactly. It's a very quick subliminal scene and you see an exact representation of a mother and her teenage son Mm -hmm. in the same exact silhouette, more or less, in the film. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So you... You pose the question, if you knew the outcome of your life, would you do anything about it to change it? And I would argue, I think most people will not. Because ultimately, why? Why change 
what inevitably is going to happen. Right. So that's the underlying theme of the story of the movie. At the same time, mm-hmm. this can go two different routes. This could go the route of you can try and change it, but you will come to the same conclusion every single time you try and make a different decision. Very similar to the butterfly effect Mm. with Ashton Kutcher. Mm. Remember that film? Yeah, I remember. Another podcast for another time. So the other road in this choice, right, is the unknown. So let's say you are aware of the full extent of the story of your life Mm -hmm. and you know how to change it. In this case, it is Amy Adams' character of having a daughter, that daughter dying very young to a very rare disease and her choice of having that daughter anyways. The choice is really to not have that daughter, to not pursue a future family relationship which will end up in having a child Mm -hmm. because you know if you have a child it will be that daughter and she will die young so the second path is choosing that unknown Mm -hmm. do you go down the route which in both the movie and the film or not the movie and the story the main character Louise played by Amy Adams she knows the future but she also knows the future emotionally which is why I believe she chooses to have her child Mm -hmm. because she's already experienced the sorrow. So it's not a new feeling that she's going to have to experience. It's something that she has already gone through. Um, So this is why she accepts the future that she saw in the story, in the movie. If you go the other route, you're accepting the unknown. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I definitely get it. And I think most people will choose the unknown. So let's tie this into something which is very current. Mm-hmm. Marvel. Okay. Loki. Okay, yeah. Loki just right? came out. Right? Loki mm-hmm. just came out. The first episode just aired on Wednesday. For those who are curious, today is Saturday. So Loki's been with us for a few days. Now, something which was presented in the first episode of Loki, it's no spoiler. And if you're a Marvel fan, Avengers fan, Loki dies. Hmm. Endgame. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So there's been countless theories. Was that actual Loki? Was that <laughs> was that some sort of That is not what I was thinking. But hold on. I was like, he's dead. Hold on. They killed Loki. But is it a uh, illusion? Right, because he's the god of mischief. Right. Mm-hmm. So first episode of Loki, he sees his timeline. Mm-hmm. So he sees the entire story of his life, right? Mm-hmm. This story of your life by Ted Chang, Arrival, mm-hmm. Loki. It's all the same theme, same underlying theme, okay. right? Backdrops are all different, but it's the same exact theme. Loki sees the story of his life, laughs at it. That's his way of coping. Mm-hmm. 
And I think in the coming weeks and months, we'll see how his story unfolds and how that all goes with the Marvel Universe. But if we're talking about Arrival, Amy Adams, Professor Louise, she sees her future and she accepts it as quickly as she sees it. Yeah. And going back to if the majority of the population could experience this, would they go forward into the unknown or what is known? Mm-hmm. And it's really about comfort, but I think people would like to go into the unknown and truly believe that every choice they make is reflected into their f- future journey, so to speak. Mm. Yeah. And that goes into free will versus destiny type thing too. And I don't know how much free will we all have or how much destiny uh, is predetermined for every human life, but I think people ultimately want some sort of control over over their life. And with Dr. Louise, like, yeah, she can see what is destined for her life, what's destined for her daughter. But ultimately, she chooses to go on that journey regardless because whether she can change things uh, in her life, but ultimately, I think it's it's kind of that idea of a better a life lived than not a life lived at all. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So if this was your story of your life mm-hmm. and you saw start to finish how everything plays out, yeah. would you personally take a step at a milestone to try and divert that path? You know, I pondered that for quite a bit over some instances in my life where I'm like, oh, like, could I have changed that? Could have things have been different? And I always land on the same thought, which is, no, I wouldn't want to change anything. Because that's ultimately my story. And I don't want to, I don't want to tamper with anything. Exactly. And, you know, this goes into all those conversations that we have with family and friends and colleagues. If you were to go back in time to your college Mm. self Mm. and change one thing, would you? Right? Right. We always, you know, chat about this as friends or whoever. I think most people would keep doing things the way that they did originally because if you think about it, we wouldn't be where we are right now if we didn't do what we did in the past. That's true. You would be a different person. Right. So if you were to go back and change something with the thought that you would come back to something similar but better, the flip side could actually happen where you could come back to something which may be similar, but in the long run, is it actually better? And there's no way to know, but I would argue no. I think ultimately what is meant to happen will happen. And I think if you tamper with 
things that you'll ultimately become a different person and you are the the outcome of all the different decisions you have made or reacted to in your life. So if you were to change things, you would not be the same person. Exactly. Definitely. And I couldn't agree anymore with that. So to end the show, here on Syndicate, we like to do one reason why. So Pete, what is the one reason you would give somebody to watch Arrival? I would actually ask them a question. Do you believe that your journey throughout life is a byproduct of your memories and defined by your future choices? Mm -hmm. Or are you just flying by the seat of your pants waiting for (laughs) that big moment to really Uh shape your life? Mm. So that's something that was a question that was really in the back of my mind Mm -hmm. after I saw this movie. Mm. And it didn't really pop up until I was just blindly watching the credits. Because once you watch the movie start to finish, you realize that it is about the journey of life. It's not about aliens. It's not about communication. It's not about, you know political military action yeah the movie is about who you are Mm. what your past has shaped you to be Mm -hmm. and how you will define your future through your choices nicely put yeah i do agree with that and my one reason why it goes in the vein of that which is this movie helps you reanalyze what's important in your life and how you perceive your life. Because life is so short, life is so fleeting, it's but a vapor on a glass. It's over very quick. And you have to constantly ask yourself, would I change anything in my life? Will that change have any significance in the outcome of my life? And... This movie answers that by saying your life is what it is. And even though, you know, say like you had insider information through extraterrestrials that if you saw your entire life as a roadmap, would you change anything? And Amy Adams' character decided to say no. And to take the courage and say, no, I will not change anything. I will bring my daughter into this world knowing that you know her the end of her story is tragic but that's not the point one's life is not defined by its end but by the entire journey of going through life and Denis Villeneuve and how he transposed this beautiful short story into this movie is definitely thought-provoking and is a take-home assignment for everyone that watches it. So that would be my one reason why. Right. And I will admit, I forget who said it, but life definitely is not an end goal, but Mm -hmm. really is the journey. Mm -hmm. That is... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Really, the whole meaning behind life is that journey in itself. The end is just the end. Let it ride. But if I could see my life as a roadmap, then I would like to take every detour possible on that roadmap. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I think we all would like to take crazy turns here and there. Well, that's it for this time on Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about Arrival by Denise Villeneuve. Please check it out where it is available. And now I would like to take a moment to thank my guest, Peter, for coming out to the show. Thank you, Armand. It was a pleasure. And I would love to talk about future films, cinema, anything similar to that in the future with you. Well, I'm glad you were on. This was fantastic. And you are welcome back anytime. But if you'd like to keep this conversation going, please add us on your favorite social media platform, at Syndicate, that is C-I-N-E-D-I-C-A-T-E, Syndicate on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Have any questions or film recommendations, please email us at info at syndicate.com or visit our website, syndicate.com. Until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye. <laughs>